Today on Abounding Grace. False gods cannot save you out of your trouble. With our God in his foreknowledge, nothing perplexes him. Nothing's outside of his power. He's not surprised by anything. He's not taken off guard. So that when something rocks your world and knocks you off balance, God is unmoved. He's not soon shaken. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. There is so much that we don't know. Our knowledge is very much limited. But God, on the other hand, knows everything. He sees the big picture in your life and is working out a wonderful plan. With that in mind, doesn't it make sense to trust Him? Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor encourages us in that direction as we pay a visit to Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30 we're going to see God's purposeful plan for each of us as we study God's foreknowledge. Proverbs 18, 17 says, the first one to plead his cause seems right. Right? Isn't that true? So you get the whole story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My spirit bears witness with your spirit until his neighbor comes and examines him. Until you hear the other side. Until you start hearing both sides of the story. And then, you know, as you're waiting, see, instead of jumping to a conclusion when you hear one side of the story, what we should really be doing is praying. Wouldn't you agree? Why would it be important for us to pray but to hear from the God who knows all things? As you're praying and seeking God's wisdom and understanding, He may just drop into your heart the information and the direction and the passages of Scripture and the comfort and the encouragement that you need as you navigate through this difficult time. See, Satan is very slick. He's very sly. I mean, he, he is very, very smart in his ability to destroy families and to destroy churches and to destroy friendships. And he has basically one tool that's wrapped with many others. The one tool is division. And the way division happens is you only hear one side of the story. It kind of leans the way you were feeling. And then instead of listening to God and praying through it and hearing the other side, oh, you made up your mind, it's over. But now the enemy's won. He's already won there. See, if we had foreknowledge, we wouldn't need to do any of that, right? Because by the time somebody comes with their story, go, no, that ain't true. You're biased. How did you know? I've got foreknowledge, bro. <laughs> that would be cool. But we don't have that. We need to tap into, through prayer, the God of all knowing. The God with infinite knowledge. We need to be careful, just in a very practical way, to listen to both sides. To hear both sides. You know, one of the ways that you can find out really, really quickly whether one side of the story is correct or not, the first side, is just to have, you know, most of us have cell phones. Just take your cell phone out and say, really, such and such and so and so, let's call them up and let's go meet. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I can meet with Oh, okay, really. So you're just going to slander and gossip and tear them down, but you don't want to meet them face to face. I mean, wouldn't the church be more pure if we did that? I mean, wouldn't we not have so much backstabbing and junk that happens among believers, that gives a bad taste to unbelievers. I mean, that's really what it's all about, the the taste that unbelievers have of the church. Jesus said that they will know that you're my disciples by your backstabbing. No. 
course he didn't say that. By your love for one another. And love gives the benefit of the doubt to someone. Love doesn't make up their mind before you hear both sides of the story. If we had foreknowledge, it wouldn't be that big a deal. But we don't have foreknowledge. We need to wait on the Lord to hear the whole picture and let God make up our mind. I mean, even at that point, you've got to be careful that once you hear both stories, that you don't come to the wrong conclusions. That you wait on the Lord for his wisdom. I mean, this is the area that we have great difficulty in. But God, he has foreknowledge. Look at Psalm 139. You're probably already there, right? Psalm 139. You marked Proverbs chapter 18. You might want to memorize that one. That's going to come up time and time again in your Christian life. That's, I guarantee it. Time and time again. You're going to have to write that one down and memorize it because you're going to use it. But look at Psalm 139 in verse 13. It says, For you have formed my inward parts, and you've covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance, yet being unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me. Notice, when as yet were none of them. Because God has foreknowledge. He understands. Look at verse 1, Psalm 139. It says, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down, my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with how many of your ways? All. All of your ways are God is acquainted with. All of them. Good, bad, up, down. He's acquainted with all of them. Lotus verse 4. This is crazy. There is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You know, some of you had really, really potty mouths when you were in the world. You know that? Oh, yeah, I know that. And the Lord's really clean it up in your mouth, but they still keep coming in your mind, don't they? They're like, oh, now i got a potty mind. Oh, man, i got to clean my mind. But so many of you have the testimony of how God's even started to clean your mind up. Because we think we got big victory where some guy cuts us off on Parker Road and we, we don't do anything. Our hands, are, our hands are on the steering wheel, you know. We, we don't say anything. We don't scream. We don't honk. We don't... But then in our minds, <laughs> oh, my... Lord, thank you for dealing with my hands and my mouth, but please start working on my mind. Because even before a word comes out of our mouths, God knows. So thankful that he's patient with me. The problem with foreknowledge, the sovereignty of God, the omniscience of God, is that it's so huge and so big that we might try to redefine God. So well, this is huge. I don't understand it. There's tension throughout the scripture, of course. And I don't understand it. And what might happen is you start to make a God in your own image. And I read about a Buddhist temple in Kyoto, Japan, that this place is called the Temple of a Thousand Buddhas. And on display inside the shrine are more than a thousand likenesses of Buddha, each one just a little bit different from each other. And it's set up this way so that those that are practicing Buddhism can come in and find the one that looks most like them and worship that statue. Create a God in our own image. Just go in and find among the thousand the one that looks like you. And there you go. That's your God. No, 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 no. You know, you and I, we can't totally comprehend God. And if we could comprehend God, then why need him? Why would we need a God that we could explain? Why would we need a God that is under our strength and our power? 
You can jot this one down in Romans chapter 11, verse 33. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. See, if we choose to fashion and make our God in our own image, then what hope is there? Flip over to Isaiah chapter 46. Let me show you. Because this was always happening in Isaiah's day. They were fashioning idols after themselves. And questions are asked here in Isaiah chapter 46 that it just doesn't really make any sense for us to create a God of our own image. We want the God of Scripture. We want the incomprehensible God. There's still a little bit of mystery involved with God. We can't fully explain all His ways. We can't get rid of all the tension that the Scripture gives to us. And I say amen to that because we need a God that's larger than us. Not one that we can explain away. Not one that becomes a puppet for us and we can boss around and we can name it and claim it from God and he's just at our beck and call. No way. You're at God's beck and call. Did you know that? He's God. Amen. There's one person. Amen and over there. Good. You think of this. Think of this, guys. We live in a society that says, I'm in control. I control my future. If I just do this, this, and this, then, and it's all come into the church, and, and I say, get it out of the church. God is God. It's his kingdom come, not mine. <laughs> it's his will be done, not mine. And I want to yield to him. But the question's asked, verse 5 of Isaiah 46, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? They lavish gold out of the bag and waste silver in the balance. They hire a goldsmith, and he makes it a god. They prostrate themselves. Yes, they worship. They bear it on the shoulder. They carry it and set it in its place, and it stands. From its high place it shall not move. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer, nor save him out of his trouble. False gods cannot save you out of your trouble. With our God in his foreknowledge, nothing perplexes him. Nothing's outside of his power. He's not surprised by anything. He's not taken off guard. So that when something rocks your world and knocks you off balance, God is unmoved. He's not soon shaken. Now flip all the way back to Jude, right before Revelation. There's only one chapter. Look at verse 24. Jude 24. Some of you are going to have to grab, download this Bible study off the web or grab the CD so you can walk through these wonderful, blessed truths. These are foundational truths for your life as a Christian foundational for you to understand the omniscience and the foreknowledge of God. So important because it puts into perspective that if God promises something, he's able to keep his promises. Look at chapter 1. There's only one chapter, verse 24. This is our God. Jude is right before Revelation. Now to him who is able, you might not be able, your world might be in chaos, you might be just in that place where it feels like the wind has been knocked out of you, but God is able, notice, to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Oh God, I can trust you. You're able to keep me from stumbling. Jot this one down in Ephesians chapter 3. It says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So many things in our lives that are happening that really do rock our world. So many ups and so many downs. There are times when we're so strong and there's times when we're so weak. 
I know we don't have all the answers, but God does. I know that we don't have clear and clarity on what's going on. Not everything is clear, but God, he knows. He hasn't been shaken like you have. He hasn't thrown his hands up in the air and say, oh, I guess I'm going to have to wait to find out what happens in Ed's life because I don't know. He does know. Not only does he know, but he's working out a plan. His purpose conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 29, for whom he foreknew. He knows you. He knows you before you knew him. That's the kind of knowledge that he has. The more we can understand and believe this, the more you'll trust him. That is really the area that gets undermined, isn't it? Our trust of God. Sometimes people let us down, and so now we don't trust God anymore. Sometimes we blow it, so we don't trust God anymore. That's why so many of you, your memory verse, or one of the life verses, if we asked, we said, write down your life verse, so many of you would say Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. So many of you know it. Some of you are going to learn it today. But it's one of the reasons why that verse resonates in our hearts, because we're told to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. Leaning not on our own understanding. Acknowledging Him in all our ways, and He promises to direct our paths. That's why that's a memory verse for us. That's why it's in our heart and our minds, because there's so much undermining our trust of God. And so He knows. You don't know. I don't know, but God knows. I don't know what the big picture is. You don't know what the big picture is, but God knows. And so we can rest in the Lord, like the psalmist says in Psalm 37. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. Let me show you what it looks like in reality. Flip over to Matthew's chapter 26 now with Peter. This happened in Peter's life. Peter is going to receive some very, very difficult words from Jesus. Peter's denial is going to be predicted by Jesus in Matthew chapter 26. Would you flip there with me? Poor Peter. He gets a bad rap so much. I love Peter so much. I I love the fact that he made so many mistakes. Puts into perspective the mistakes that I make. Peter, so much of Peter is in so many of us. You just have to laugh because you see it in Peter. You go, oh man, that's me. It's like a mirror. Look at verse 31. Jesus, remember, God in human flesh. Jesus, 100% God, 100% man. That's the mystery and the glory of the incarnation. And Jesus is speaking here, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written. Now, how could Jesus say that unless he knew ahead of time what would happen? Jesus, being God, was omniscient and possessed foreknowledge, and he compared it with the scriptures. Notice, I will strike the shepherd... And the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Zechariah chapter 13. But he predicts again, verse 32, after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. He's given the whole picture. We know from John's gospel that they're really bummed out. They're really going through it. They're sad. They're sorrowful. They don't want to see Jesus die. They thought Jesus was going to take over Rome and rule as the king and the prince, the king of kings and the prince of peace. And that wasn't what he came to do in his first coming. He came to pay the price for sin. And Peter answered and said to him, Even if all were made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Famous last words. I will never. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly. So I say, just calm down, son. Assuredly, I say to you, that this night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter should be saying, Yes, Lord, you're right. And does he say that? Oh, no. Verse 35. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Flip over to Luke's gospel now. A few pages over, chapter 22. 
Jesus has some heavy words for Peter ahead of time, looking into the future. Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to turn on me. And Peter, bless his heart, he's just loving Jesus. He's so passionate, so sincere. He can't see it. I'm not going to deny you. Do you know that all of us have have it in us to deny the Lord? All of us do. I don't want to hear Jesus tell me I'm going to deny him. Because Jesus possesses foreknowledge. And we all have it in us. Look at chapter 22 now, verse 31. It says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you, that he might sift you as wheat. That's real encouraging. (laughs) Really? Can't Michael the archangel ask for me to bless me? Nope, it's the devil. He wants to sift you. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brother. Now he's adding a little bit more. You're going to fall, but you're going to return. You're going to fall, but you're going to be a strength to my people. And Lord, I'm ready to die. Go with you both to prison and to death. But I tell you, Peter, verse 34, the rooster will not crow this day before you deny me three times that you know me. Jesus tells Peter, you're going to fall, but you're going to come back. And when you come back, you're going to be strength. You're going to, you're going to be a strength to my brethren. We know that that's exactly what happened. Not only did he come back and be a strength to the brethren, but he penned two letters that we studied together. That he encouraging us because of his fall and his return. That we're blessed that Peter, although he didn't know, God knew. And God was able to work all things together in Peter's life. So that when we come to the end of Peter's life, he's an encouragement to us. That he writes and he encourages us. As God is able to work all things together for good because he has all knowledge. And Peter, he encourages us in love and in mercy and grace, and in God's forgiveness and kindness and goodness. God says, I, Jesus says, I know what's going to happen in your life, Peter, because I know ahead of time. I know all things about you. I know you personally. One more thing before we go. First Peter chapter 1. In God's sovereign sovereignty, it's his privilege to choose us, and he did. We'll get into more of that in depth when we look at God's calling. But it's in his sovereignty that he has sovereign privilege to choose us. And he did. And I want you to notice that in the doctrine of foreknowledge, Peter mentions it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter opens up an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And it's his will to save those based on who he knows will accept him. Because he knows ahead of time. It's God's choice of us based on his knowledge that we'll choose him. We're going to see this tension throughout the scriptures. Even as we examine these doctrines, we go into chapters 9, 10, and 11. There's always God's choice, man's choice. There's God's initiative, man's response. There's God's action, and it's followed up with man's action. And they work together. Doctrines that you could say that are intention. Jot this down. I'll read it to you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 4, Paul writes of the election of God. God's work. And then in verse 6, he says, but you guys received the word. So you have the election of God, but you also received the word. Because there's God's initiative, God's action. There's also your action. And flip over now, last scripture, really the last couple. John chapter 3. Very familiar as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And in John chapter 3, we see God's work and man's response. We see God's choice, our choice. We see God's action, our action. And God's choice begins, it goes along with you believing and I believing in him. And in John chapter 3, as Nicodemus is speaking with Jesus, 
Jesus drops this wonderful verse on him. It says in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's God's action. His love motivated him to move, to act. He sent his only begotten son. And then here's our action. It says, he's given his only begotten son that whoever, I like the old King James, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so there are those in this room that have chosen Jesus Christ and there are those that haven't. See, Jesus has died for all so that by repentance you might be saved. But not all have responded. Not all have received. Jump down to verse 36 now in John chapter 3. The door is open to whosoever. That's the door. Jesus is knocking on the door of the whosoever. Uh, Anyone here? That he has acted and made it possible for you and I to be forgiven of our sins. Verse 36, it says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, but he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So the door is open to you whether you believe or not. But oh, how we pray that you would believe that you would respond to the conviction of sin in your life and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The door is open to everyone here today, whether you believe or not. Everyone tune in on the web, everyone listening in on the radio, the door is open for everyone that hears my voice today. And if you believe, your sins will be forgiven. If you choose not to believe, then the wrath of God abides on you. That's called, in other places, the judgment of God. You see, sin must be judged. It will be either judged in your life on the cross of Calvary, the price of sin being paid by Jesus Christ and by faith, you being connected to him, or you will ultimately pay the price for your sin by being eternally separated from God. See, in God's foreknowledge, he's elected and chosen you according to that foreknowledge. And the question always comes up, you ever wonder, well, am I chosen or not? I mean, I want to know. Am I chosen? Am I one of the elect? Did God choose me? I have no idea yet. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today, we know. (laughs) You'll find out. You got that prompting of God in your life to say, I need to be right with God. And you respond by placing your faith in Jesus. You can leave here saying, I've been elect by God according to his foreknowledge from before time began. But if you leave here, you say, ah, all that Christian gobbledygook doesn't interest me. Well, set all the Christian gobbledygook aside for a second. And let me ask you, does God's love interest you? His care for you, the creator and sustainer of our universe, who sent his only special son to die for you? Does that interest you? Do you recognize that your sin is an affront and an offense to God? That it can't be hidden from, why? well, I'm just a good person. You may very well be a good person. You know, from time to time, I thank, thank you for being good. We need more good people in this world. But listen, good is not good enough in the eyes of God. Perfect is good enough in the eyes of God. And the only way to stand before God in perfectness is to be in Jesus Christ by faith. Will you make that decision today? Will you respond? Hey, for a majority of you, I know you're Christian. I know you love Jesus Christ. I know you're walking with him. Let the doctrine of omniscience and foreknowledge bless your heart. That although you don't know, and there's so much that we don't know, God does. And he is working his plan in your life according to his foreknowledge. And because God knows, and because he has omniscience, and because he has foreknowledge, then then in his working all things together for the good, he sees the big picture in your life. He is working. Amen.
Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of Romans right now on abounding grace. Thanks for being part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at aboundinggraceradio.com, or you can hear us through our app. Simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play and download the free app today. We couldn't be more excited about the resource we picked out for you this month. It's a book by Pastor Chuck Smith called The Man God Uses. If you're a Christian, I'm sure you'd say you want to be used by God. But sometimes we're not quite sure how to get there. In this book, Pastor Chuck Smith examines 14 characteristics found in several people in the Bible that were used by God in powerful ways. I know you'll be encouraged and will gladly send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Just pick up the phone right now and call 877-30-GRACE. And we want this radio ministry to be the sort of ministry that God uses, too. That's our prayer and heart's desire. And if you'd like to get behind what we're doing and offer a one-time gift or ongoing support, we'd sure appreciate it. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in Romans with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 